Again, welcome. Uh, we're so glad that you're here this morning. So many smiley faces from behind the masks as you're walking in. I see those smiles. Uh, and then, of course, once you get seated and you're taking off the masks, I see those smiles too. Um, thank you all for praying for, for myself when I was sick and then Pastor Dave this last week. Um, it seems to just be going around. So we're just going to keep praying for health. And we're going to do our part by, uh, you know, staying home and for sick and, and being appropriate in our spacing and, and, and all those things. And so, um, we're just so glad that you're here and, and to be a part of our church, uh, is huge because, well, you know, God has put us here for a reason and, uh, and, and being a part of his community is part of that. Today, like I, I mentioned in the announcements, we're going to be talking about friendship. I truly believe that friendship matters. Uh, it matters to God. Um, Jesus on the earth showed us what a friend looks like. Uh, and, and I'm sure I'll refer to him a couple of different times, even though we're going through Proverbs and he hadn't yet come to this earth. Uh, he is still a huge example of what a friend looks like. And so again, I think as we go through this sermon, that will be part of what we talk about. We sat around the office this week talking about friendship. Okay. And like, what is friendship? So I went to the, the, the dictionary first. We well, you know that's a great place to start. And it says the definition of a friend is a person whom one knows and with whom one has a bond of mutual affection. And so we talked about that for a while. And really that makes it pretty easy to describe a friend that way, right? If you like a certain thing, if you like soccer, let's say. So you meet on Saturday mornings to play soccer with the guys, you might become friends with those guys, right? It makes sense. My wife, I'm going to date us a little bit. My wife, when we first got married, scrapbooked. There may be a few scrapbookers left out here. Keep going, right? I mean, somebody needs to be doing that. But my wife scrapbooked. When they would get together on a Friday night to scrapbook, there was a mutual affection of taking our family pictures, cutting them up, sticking them in pages, and, and that between these women and some men, because we would host sometimes, so there would be some men there, um, it was a bond that they had, and they would become friends through that, right? I've had the privilege of coaching football for the last 15 years, and I look at those guys, and I say, those are my friends, some of them are, are pretty good friends even that I've known for a long time. But those that coaching staff becomes a friend, right? Sometimes it's the people we live in our neighborhood with. Sometimes it's our coworkers, right? So I understand the definition there. But it just didn't seem deep enough in light of the Proverbs that we had read, which we'll get to in just a minute. So then we started talking amongst the staff. And the worship pastor Hayden walked in while Kevin and I were working on the sermon. We said, hey... Hayden, what would you say describes a friend? And we asked him, just like, I don't want a technical definition, but what's a truly a friend, right? And, and if you know Hayden, this is, this is some of his thoughts. And if he listens to this later, uh, he'll, he'll, you know, he'll know that I took good notes as to what he said. Uh, and, and in no means am I trying to paint him in a bad light. But he said someone I can tolerate being around for long periods of time. Right? I mean, it's tough sometimes to be around people, right? And so for Hayden, that was part of what he said. He said, though, you know, often we have mutual interests. Of course, Hayden loves music. So if you want to talk to Hayden, talk to him about music, right? So that makes total sense. Then he said, because there are levels. 
And that's where my brain started clicking in. One, I know he's a Seinfeld fan, so it was a reference back to Kramer's apartment with the levels. But I also know that there's truth to that. Like, we can be friendly to people, and then we have our deeper friendships. So I, I see where he's going there. One of the things he said is it's important to seek out peers or friends who you can get godly counsel from. But what is a friend? And we just kept coming back to that. And he's like, I don't know, a buddy I want to spend time with. So it's like there's some decisions we have to make as people, as humans, uh, to decide what's going to be important and who are we going to chase down as friends? Who do we want to spend time with? We, we talked back and forth about that. Uh, we talked about the Michael W. Smith song, Friends. Uh, some of the older people will remember that. Kevin, of course, being a musician, he remembers singing and playing that song uh, in church and at graduations uh, and, and stuff. And so one of, the, one of the quotes that I had heard before and I went back to this week was from C.S. Lewis. It said, friendship is born at the moment when one man says to another, What? You too, right? I thought that nobody else went through this but me, right? Myself, he says. And I love that, that idea that we're going through the same thing. That can be a bond also. Uh, and so today as we think about friends, what friends are, the levels of friendship, we need to dive into the Proverbs and see what God has to say through the writer of Proverbs, the wisdom that he has given to us as to what a true friend looks like, right? What is the Bible's definition of friendship and how does that compare to our definition of what a friend is? So we'll look at the first proverb today, Proverbs 17, 17, and see what the Bible has to say about friendship. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. True friendship defined, right? Sometimes we can talk about something and, and, and be like, this is the answer to that question, period. We can stick a pin in it. And yet we know just from those first four or five minutes that we talked, there's so many things that go into a definition of a friend or how to be a friend. And yet the Bible really narrows it down here. And as we discuss this topic, these passages this week, we really felt that this verse was really the definition above all definitions. Sort of a, a, a test of your true friends or who your friends are. When you're going through tough seasons, right? When you're, when you're in a really tough place, who's there beside you? And when your friends go through a tough place, are you the person that's there? Opening up your door, allowing them to come in and sit at your table or sleep on your couch or whatever it might be, right? A friend loves at all times, not just the good times, and in fact, the proverb tells us that a brother or a friend is born for times of adversity. Fairweather friends are not really friends at all. That was one of those things we talked about this week. It's like, I can be friendly to everyone, but are they really a friend? Because it depends on what the definition of friendship is. Proverbs 19.4 says, uh, even in the negative sense, it says, wealth will bring many new friends. 
We didn't necessarily pull that one in to, to talk about today because, again, I don't think it's talking about friendship. This one says, if you have money, you'll have a lot of friends. And then it goes on to say, but the poor man is deserted by his friend, right? So maybe we should have thrown that up there. What kind of friends are they if they're only around when things are going well? Not much of a friend at all, right? And whether it's because they don't know how to interact with you or they truly are using you, there are people that are going to be in your lives that you might consider friends that aren't necessarily the biblical definition of friends, but I love Proverbs seventeen seventeen, And if, if the Holy Spirit was telling one of you this morning, hey, you should do wrap up this in a couple weeks here, and you haven't necessarily locked in on a proverb, write this one down. I don't care if three or four of you talk about this. Let's hear from you what friendship is all about. Because I think this verse is really important. Because it, it causes us to look at the kind of friends that we are. What kind of friend am I? How do I respond or react when a friend of mine goes through a tough time, adversity? And do I need to adjust who I am and how I respond and how I react? Because if I'm only around somebody when things are going well and when things start going badly, I retract or or pull back or ignore their phone calls or texts, I'm not a friend, right? And, and, and so I had to sit there this week even with Kevin and say, are there times that I've responded incorrectly to my friends in need? Because I don't want to be a person that uses people. I don't want to be a guy that's only around during the good times. So we need to use wisdom, like we've been talking about the last couple of months in Proverbs. I need to use wisdom in regards to friendship. Let's continue on here. Here's the same verse in the English Standard Version. That's what we typically preach out of, but there's a lot of great versions out there. So we wrote this one down in the ESV and the NIV, and I'm going to read them both, okay? One who is righteous is a guide to his neighbor, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. NIV says, the righteous choose their friend's carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. So if you notice the footnote in the ESV, normally we delete those out. You don't need to necessarily see all the footnotes. You have your own Bible apps or your own Bible and it'll have that footnote in there. We left it in today so you could see it, the visual, uh, you know, the visual look of that footnote there. The alternate translation the ESV translators give is the NIV, So the NIV has this one right, a little closer to what should have been written there. In other words, in the Hebrew, right, there's some nuance that needs to be translated in the way that it is in the NIV. And and the translators had to make that choice when they bring it to English, and we think that the NIV got this, right? I really like that rendering. Choose your friends carefully. Now, sometimes we don't think about that because, again, we're bonding over something, right? If you're a video gamer, maybe you've met somebody and you're playing online and and, and they become friends with you, right? Do you start asking that person for advice? There's probably not a lot of wisdom there. You've never seen their face, right? you got to use wisdom in choosing your friend. And here, uh, the NIV renders Proverbs 12, 26 
in a great way. Choose your friends carefully. And again, we're talking about depth of friendship. We are called to be friendly, to be friends to all people. So don't hear me say, choose some good friends and ignore everybody else or abandon everybody else. No, we are called to be like Jesus to everybody. But when you're talking about the one or two people in your life that you're going to go deep with, that you're going to share things that are in your heart, things that hurt you, things that you struggle with, the Bible's saying, be careful. Be careful who you choose. Use wisdom, right? Because the way of the wicked is enticing. Look at the last part of that verse, right? The way of the wicked is enticing. It'll lead you astray. Maybe you work at a place and there are a lot of fun people there. And you're tempted to hang out with them and do things that you wouldn't necessarily normally do or you wouldn't do around your spouse or you wouldn't do around your family or you definitely wouldn't do around your friends at church, right? Are those the friends that should be the closest ones to you? Again, I'm not saying don't hang out with those people. When I worked for Costco for almost 20 years before being called into the ministry, I had a lot of friends who were non-believers. And those friends were invited with their families into my home. I'm still friends with a lot of them. I text with them. We call each other. We've gone to, not necessarily on vacation to the same place, but we've been at the same place and planned to get together as families and spend time together. In other words, you can be friends with non-Christians But you need to have that core group of friends that are going down the same path as you, that you've chosen carefully, that you've used wisdom. So that when you are with that other group of friends, those people that maybe you're more casual and hanging out with, and they start doing something that you know you probably shouldn't do, you have the strength to walk away, right? That's not your only group of friends, But it's a group that you're spending time with. The way of the wicked is enticing. They do a lot of fun things. Or at least that are fun on the surface. That might be temporal in the amount of of satisfaction or joy that it brings to you. And and it's really those, those friends that we've chosen carefully that can help us see that. Keep us on the path. So if you want to go to a football game or a hockey match with a friend from work, more power to you. Right? But if you, if you're looking for friends that you want to spend time with and, and grow with, choose wisely. And I'm glad that the kids are in here today and I know they're working on their, their, their worksheets and then that way they can get a little prize at the end and, and they're trying to learn what a good friend is like. And what I'm saying is, is as you're growing up, kids, choose kids that are, are good kids. The ones that aren't getting in trouble at recess. The ones that aren't getting in trouble at class. Now, those kids still need friends, but spend more time with kids that are like you, that want to behave, that want to do well in class, that want to respect their teachers and all the other kids around them. We need to be careful with who we hang out with. Kevin and I were talking about that this week, especially in light of the kids being in here. You become like those you hang out with. Especially if you're one going into a group, right? You're less likely to change the way an entire group 
hangs out and spends their time and energy when you're the only one that might think differently. Now, as we look at these next verses, hopefully they're going to discuss this very thing and help us again as we look at how do we choose our closest friends wisely. Proverbs 22, verses 24 and 25 says, Make no friendship with a man given to anger. Nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Proverbs 13, 20 says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Choose your closest friends wisely. You become who you spend the time with, the most time with. You become like that person or those people. Wisdom recognizes in these verses especially that anger is contagious. If you hang out with a hothead, you're going to start picking up on, man, something doesn't go my way. I'm going to have a short fuse. I'm going to get upset, right? We're not just talking about somebody who gets angry once or upset about one thing, but this is somebody who's given to anger. Now, again, if God has called you to be friends with somebody who struggles with anger and they know that that's a, a sin that they're working through, obviously I want you to embrace that friendship and pull them in tight and help them down that path. But there's a difference between somebody who's working on the areas that we've been called to change, that we've been called to grow in, and somebody who just lives that way. And, and you have to understand that. So I'm not saying don't be a friend of an angry person. I have friends who are working through that. That's something that we've been working on for years. And yet they know it and they're moving forward in wisdom. So here these verses uh, even go to the extent of wrath. It's intense rage, rage that can get physical. It's just not wise to hang out with somebody like that. We need to examine our friends. The angry response, if it becomes normative... In a relationship, that is not good. That's just what we do, some people say. Or only when we're upset, we'll do that. But then when things start getting broken and they're lashing out at people and verbally abusing people, it's gone too far. Anger and wrath, the words that are used here, those are evidence of a serious heart problem. Right, And if you know that and you're working on that, again, that's different. But just to choose a friend or have a friend that is this way with no desire to change, the Proverbs warns you against that. God's saying that's not wise. You're not choosing your friends carefully because these heart issues are contagious. Right? Be careful about those unrepentant hearts, those people who are living in sin, being an angry person like this and not trying to change is not what God has called you to do. I I would say be careful of those people. Be careful how much time you spend with them. Sin is catchy. It's highly contagious. As we were talking about this this week and the reality of this, if you allow yourself to think about this and go, yes, there is truth and wisdom here in Proverbs about friendship, and it is contagious, we started talking about COVID because it's out there, right? 
You know, fully vaccinated still caught it, right? It's contagious. Well, so are these things. And how serious do we take these things? Do we really value a friend of high character? Do we go after friendships with people who can bring us up and build us up? And help us grow into the men and women that God's called us to be. And then, like I said, if we have a friend who's with us that is struggling and wants to grow in those areas, by all means, continue to invest in that person. Pull them in close. But we need to, we need to be aware of it. Are we in, even aware as a people about the characteristics of your friends? The things that they do, the tendencies that they have. Well, I think... We've seen here in Proverbs that a wise man or woman would be aware of those things. Now, there is a positive side to this, too. Check out Proverbs thirteen twenty. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, right? So we, we know that Proverbs encourages us, if you're going to walk with people who are wise, you will find wisdom. You can grow in wisdom and character, Choose wisely your friends. Proverbs 27, 9 says, oil and perfume make the heart glad. And the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Proverbs nineteen twenty: listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. These two verses seem to point towards optimistic and positive words of a true friend, right? So we've looked at some of the negatives, and we've only scratched the surface, but, but we, we've seen some of those negatives. Now let's look at a couple of the positives. And one of those positives is realizing if you only have friends who are always negative, they're going to drag you down. And that we should probably reconsider spending a lot of time with them. Again, I'm not saying don't spend time with them. But the people you're around are the people you'll become. So 27.9 compares it to oil and perfume. Do you see that there? Oil and perfume make the heart glad. Now, this Christmas, my wife on her list uh, had put down some perfume that she would want. Okay, she wrote it on the list. She gave it out to the kids. It's one nice thing about when your kids get older. Our youngest is 18. They all have jobs. So our list, we kind of share with each other, right? And, and so she shares the list. It's got the perfume on it. In my mind, I'm like, okay, I can get that at some point along the way. Wrap it up, throw it under the tree, right? Well, about a week after the list comes out, my daughter shoots me a text. Hey, dad, how you doing? We text back and forth a little bit. I thought she would want something, maybe something to be done at her house or pick up some groceries, whatever it might be. But she's like, hey, have you bought mom the perfume yet? And I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, well, it's on the Christmas list. And I'm like, yeah, there's a lot of things on the Christmas list. And Abby's like, yeah, but this perfume, I mean, she's out of it. I said, oh, okay, well, you know, Christmas is coming up in a couple of weeks. We'll get it taken care of, right? So then like three days later, I noticed that I, I'm getting into the bathroom. A lot of times I'll get up early and I'll go into my office, do some reading and, and studying. Gwen's getting ready and then she'll leave for work. Then I hop in there, throw on my clothes and get out the door to the church office. Well, I go in there and the empty perfume container is sitting on the front edge of the counter in between our two sinks. And I'm like, are you kidding me? 
it's, it's Christmas time. What is she doing here? So I take it, and I know where she puts her perfume, and I put it back where she puts her perfume, and I just leave it there. And I go about my day, and I, I take off. Sure enough, the next day, where do you think that empty perfume thing is? Right on the front. All of this to say, my point is, I did get more texts from my daughter, making sure that I would get it. And it was on the, under the tree on Christmas morning. But my point is, look at Proverbs 27, 9. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, right? So we're talking about something you just spray on yourself and makes you happy. You smell good. I think she smells great, right? And so obviously I want to have that. I want to have it for her. So she feels good. So that I, I think she smells good. My daughter wanted to make sure she had it, right? We, we figured that out. But look at what the Bible says here. Oil and perfume make the heart glad. And the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. I need to have people speaking into my life godly wisdom. I'm going to say that again for myself. I don't know if you need that this morning, but I do. I need to have people in my life constantly speaking godly wisdom, earnest counsel, perfume, right? These things were meant to refresh Right when this time of the Bible uh, was written, they didn't shower as often as we do. So obviously the oils and the perfumes refreshed the person, right? Make them feel clean and, and ready to go for the day, right? So this, if this was written nowadays, it might actually be better translated, a hot shower or a long bath makes for a glad heart, right? It's refreshing to get clean and to move on. And that's what friendship should bring to you. So if you are not feeling that in your closest friendships, I think you need to do some work on that. And if you don't, that's fine, because maybe today Holy Spirit's going to be nudging you, right, pricking your heart, and this will be a day where you're going to move forward in wisdom. That's what we're supposed to do. We need to be learning every day and moving forward. The Holy Spirit, right, he will, he will encourage us and move us along the path that we need to be. Earnest counsel is translated from the Hebrew, and it means advice, counsel, and purpose. Kevin and I really liked that last word this week, purpose. A true friend will be endeared to me as they remind me of my purpose. How many friends do you have that every time you get together or almost every time that you get together, you are reminded of your purpose here on this earth. Those are the kind of friends we need. That's the kind of encouragement that each one of us needs. I like that a lot. 19 verse 20 there reminds us that a wise person listens to advice and accepts the instruction, right? The thing is, there are many voices trying to tell you and I what we should be doing, what our purpose is here on this earth. You have to decide, who am I going to listen to, right? All these voices, all these voices in our lives trying to tell you what you need to do, what your purpose is in life. The advice that I want, that I want to be gravitated towards, is what God's word says. And a lot of times, what the world's going to tell you is going to be the opposite of that. So we need to be careful in choosing who we allow to speak into our lives. There will also be times that you and I need a tough word, okay? 
When you're sitting there and you're the one that's in error, you're the one that's potentially in sin, you're the one that's not making wise decisions, decisions, you need that friend that will look you in the eye and tell you to get back on track, right? That's a tough word. And if we just surround ourselves with yes men and yes women and doesn't matter what I do, nobody's going to tell me that I'm right or wrong, we are missing out on something, right? We need people that are willing to say, hey, Mark, you're messing up. You need to fix this. We need those kind of friends in our lives. Because a lot of us avoid all the confrontation, right? We're going to avoid confrontation. I don't want to tell you what's right and what's wrong, what you need to be doing, what you don't need to be doing. Uh, and, and it may be in the voice of tolerance, right? In the, in, the, in the aspect of tolerance, which is being preached, that we just got to allow you to do whatever you want to do. And me as a good friend, I don't get to speak into your life and tell you not to do it. Well, that's not what the Bible says is a good friend, right? The Bible says a good friend will speak wisdom into your life. Because the value of the world is different than the value of God. Let's look at these next couple of verses. Proverbs 27, 17 says, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. We use that verse a lot, especially in church. Like, hey, we're going to do a little men's group. We'll get together. Iron sharpens iron. There's a lot of truth to this. Right, And so we can't let it, uh, since it's become a cliche statement, we can't let it lose the gravity that it has, right? We need to choose friends that push us towards Jesus even when it hurts. One man sharpens another. Proverbs 27, 5 and 6 says, Better is an open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. We need each other desperately. We need, we, we weren't intended to walk this life alone, right? And a lot of us are like, man, my spouse is incredible. My spouse is great. That's the only close friend that I need. That's the only friend of depth that I need. And, and, and my encouragement this morning is that's not the way the Bible sees it. That is important, and you need to be open and vulnerable and, and honest and, and all those things and speak wisdom into your spouse and, 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 and correction. But man, we need other men and women in our lives respectively, respectively. I need men speaking into my life and saying, you know, you're doing something that if you keep going down that path, it may end up bad. And I need to have those kind of men in my life, right? Iron sharpens iron. I become more like Jesus by spending time with other men who want to become more like Jesus, right? And that's my goal. It's tough. It's not always pleasant. It is somewhat dangerous to invite people to speak truth into your life. It's going to hurt, but it's right. It's what the Bible says we all need, right? We need each other desperately. We were not intended to live this life, the life of a disciple. If you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you've been called to be a disciple of God, right? Discipleship, it's so important. And it's not a solo path. You're not on it alone. 
Verses 27, or chapter 27, 5 and 6 reinforce this concept, right? Verse 5 could be applied to more, uh, could be applied more to a romantic relationship as well. Uh, the way that it's got the hidden love and that kind of, uh, those, that wording there. But man alive, the idea of having someone who will openly rebuke you in your life and call you out is important. Those are the kind of friends we need. And we can't just get upset if somebody says something teachable to us and frustrated. We need to listen to them. And that's why it's so important that those few closest friends are on the same path that you're on. If you don't have friends in your life that would wound you by telling you the truth, right, then you need to consider what kind of friends do I have in my life? Are my friends that I have, the ones that I, uh, I think are the closest to me, are they even true friends, right? If you only have friends who butter you up and flatter you, right, here we see the kisses of an enemy being alluded to. Kisses are supposed to be great things, right? But here you see somebody who's not willing to speak a tough word is being likened to an enemy who's buttering you up with kisses. They, they're profuse like the kisses of an enemy. We need faithful wounds from faithful friends. Allow someone into your life, a small group of someones that you can trust. And hopefully you can find that through whether it's this church or Bible studies or other people that God has brought into your life. That's got to be the goal, the depth of the friendship. The last few verses that we're going to look at today, the idea of choosing quality over quantity in friendships. Proverbs 18.24 says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. We actually just put in a couple different versions of the same verse. Let's look at those. A person of too many friends comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And the NIV says, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer to the brother. Here we give three different translations to give us a, a feel for this tone. It doesn't matter how many friends you have on Facebook, right? Facebook used to be the measure of friendship, and I know they're moving to other social media platforms, but it's still relevant. I'm old, right? So I don't know all the new ones, but it doesn't matter if you have 500 friends or 50 friends or a thousand friends. Those people just want to see what you're eating for dinner, and where you're on vacation, and how perfect you can make your life look so that they can feel heartbroken about the life that they're really living. And I'm guilty. I'm guilty of it. And I justify it because we have friends, or we have family uh, in the Midwest, and we have family down south, and it's just easier for me to throw something on Facebook so that grandma and grandpa and, and all the aunts and uncles and cousins, they can all see it, right? But I'm not going to post on there the stuff that's dirty or that's hard or that's hurtful, right? I'm going to post on the good stuff. And unintentionally, hopefully that's the way it's usually meant, unintentionally, we can bring hurt and pain to our friends because they look at that and they see, man, these, these guys have it all together. Why don't I? Why is my world not like this? And yet, 
right? Facebook friends and that idea isn't real friendship, right? A friend is someone who will stick closer to you than a brother, than family. Doesn't matter how many likes or followers or how much social media influence you might have. Some of those influencers are the most lonely people out there. They're hiding. They're covering things up. They're, they're chasing the like because they need that friendship or that, that, that satisfaction, that feeling that they get. And then it's not enough. So they need more. Right? And yet here God says, a friend is one who sticks closer to you than a brother. They're not biological. They're not blood related. But a, a friend can be closer than family. That's the kind of thing I want to chase after. That's what I want. A couple men in my life, they'll speak the hard word, that'll cut me when I need to be cut, that'll push me down the right path, that'll point me towards God, that then I can now encourage to become better husbands and better fathers and better friends. That sounds like a pretty good deal, right? I like that idea. Because Facebook has shown us other things that you can be popular one day and the next day you can be canceled out, right? Completely gone. All your influence is gone. If you know Pastor Kevin, I know a lot of you do and some of you don't yet, but Kevin is the one who uh, was the lead pastor when we launched the Graceworks about 12 years ago. Uh, good friend of mine. Uh, we've been friends for about 20 years almost, we figured out this week. And he is a, he is a friend, this guy loves people. He will do anything for people. He will sacrifice. And, and it's so funny when I met him, he would call me his best friend. And then I would hear him call somebody else's best friend and somebody else's best friend. And I, I was like, Hey, Kevin's a good friend of mine. I love this guy. I don't know what he's doing there. I never really fully understood it. I, I was frustrated with it. I've talked to people about it because I just didn't understand it. And yet this week, without prompt, as we're talking there, he brought up why he does this. When Kevin says, this is my best friend, Mark Meller, he's referring to a qualitative truth, not a quantitative truth. And a lot of times we think to ourselves, no, we only get one best friend. How can you say he's your best friend and he's your best friend and he's your best? No, no, no. Kevin's going, no, no, no. Look at the quality, not the quantity. In other words, it's not about ranking my friends from one to 10, right? It's not about a number one and a number two and a number three. And who's in the number one slot this week? It's about those who are the best kind of friends. Wow. That made sense all of a sudden. So something that I had seen and frustrated me for so long in light of these Proverbs clicked in my mind. And I said to myself, Kevin's actually got this right. When he calls you a best friend, it's because he knows you're the kind of friend that God has called him to have, right? You're one of my best friends, right? And, and so it's not that you're the number one, but it's because you're the right kind. And all of a sudden I was like, yeah, that makes sense to me. The ones that will stick closer to you than your own family, your brother, your sister. Don't count on the quantity of friends, right? In acquaintances or in Facebook friendships that you have, right? To save you 
in the toughest times. You're not going to get great advice on Facebook, so quit asking for it. Right? Stop. Have one or two friends that you can ask and go to for advice. I would change those few quality friends for the thousands of Facebook friends that potentially I could have someday. Right? And I think the Proverbs is teaching us to invest in those kind of people. And I think that's what we saw in Jesus. Jesus found the men in his life, and it didn't mean they were perfect, but they wanted the same thing. And so he invested heavily in those people. Right? And that's what he's called us to do. That's what discipleship is. Going down the same path with people who are on their way to heaven, and they want to be a little bit more like Jesus each day, right? And so that's what God has called us to do. Jesus is the friend that not everyone wants, but everyone needs, right? When you tell somebody about Jesus Christ and they reject you, they're not ready for the wounds. They're not ready to hear the hard word. They're not ready to told that they need to change, be, be told that they need to change their lives. They're not rejecting you. They're, they're rejecting Jesus at this point because they want friends who come around and accept them for where they're at. And Jesus is not that kind of friend. He calls us to something greater. He's called each one of us to something greater. Friendship matters. And Jesus is that example. He's a great example of a friend. How do we become like Jesus, right? How do we become like him in our friendships? How do we look like Jesus to those around us in all circumstances and situations? How do we extend grace to those who need it? Jesus gave grace freely and has called us to do the same, right? When our friends are hurting, whether it's a loss of a loved one or loss of health or loss of finances, we are called to be grace givers. You and I. How do we extend grace to those who fail to extend grace back to us when we need it or be there when we need it the most? Well, we look at the example of Jesus Christ. There are going to be times when we are hurting or in pain or need to receive grace from our friends and it's not going to be given. Or at least it's not given in the way that we want it to be given. What happens when our friends, our real friends, fail to extend grace to us? Do we get upset? Do we write them off? Or do we continue to extend grace like Jesus Christ did on the cross? His friends all abandoned him. And yet he still loved. He extended his grace when his friends failed him. And he extended grace to them. And he gives that same grace to you and I. So that then we can give grace to others in time of need. Friends matter. There are a couple quick application challenges as the worship team comes back up right now. That I just want to encourage you with. This week, maybe jot these down, grab your cell phone, snap a quick picture, uh, talk to your family, talk to a friend about this, maybe get a phone call this afternoon for a coffee this week, and talk to your friends about friendship, right? Write down your own definition of what you think a true biblical friend is. And if you have kids, these would be great questions to go over with them this afternoon at lunch or, or maybe tonight at dinner. 
Write out your own definition of what you think a true biblical friend is. Write a thank you note to a good friend. I hope DuPont's post office is plastered this week with letters to our friends telling them how thankful we are to have a real friend. Give at least one friend that permission to speak into our lives. That's a tough one. If you haven't done it before, again, choose wisely, ask in humility, and then give them permission and be ready when they have something to say. And encourage one of your true friends in their walk with Jesus this week. Pray with me.